0: This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. You're listening to The Assist with Trevor Hart. All right, welcome back. So um, it's been rough. March Madness, um, yeah, my bracket was done for by game two. Um, Pretty much, I mean, Arizona lost early in the day. So, my national champion's gone. Um, Purdue lost to a 16 seed, so one of my final four picks is gone. Um, Yeah, just hasn't been great. And then, you know, with the whole Purdue loss, um, it's enough. I haven't heard anything but Purdue losing to Fairleigh Dickinson all week, which, I mean, I'm I'm over. I think other people should be. But, you know, it's whatever. People are moving on. uh, I'm... I'm one of them. I've moved on. I mean, all I can do is just look into next year. So, um, yeah, we got to talk about that. And then uh, I'm going to do a uh, little bit on uh, Willis Reed. So, um, yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. All right. I get it. Purdue lost to a 16 seed. And I know that on this podcast, Colin and I were talking a lot of junk. About Farley Dickinson because they weren't supposed to be in the tournament, which is a fact. I'm not saying that we're hay on for no reason. It's just a fact they weren't supposed to be in the tournament. Um, you know, it was just one of those things where you can't shoot the ball, you're not going to win in today's basketball. And I'm, everyone's act, everyone's saying that this historic win is just went down in front of our eyes. And which I mean, I guess it is. I mean. Second time stuff happens, I guess it's kind of historic. I mean, World War II, I guess. I don't know. Um, but it's happened before. It hasn't happened. F- it, and it's been five years. It's not, like it has, it's not like it's been 15 years since It's, it's been five years since, Virgi- since Virginia lost to UMBC. That's the one people are going to remember forever. I don't think people are going to remember Purdue and Fairleigh Dickinson. I just don't, you know? Um, and maybe they will, I don't know. I could be wrong in a few years. I, whatever, fine. Remember it. I'll just always remember Purdue not being able to shoot. Um, and you know, the refs, they weren't the reason Purdue lost, but they sure didn't help. Um, there was some really bad calls in there. And I know people are going to say, oh my God, you're just a, but her Purdue fan. Go back and watch a tape. There are some fouls in there that are really not fouls at all or fouls that should have been called that weren't. And, you know, I, I know there's trying to be a balance between how to guard Zach, e- how to call Zach Edie because, I mean, he gets hammered all the time. And, I mean, he's he's a head taller than everyone else, and he's he's <laughs> he's got some weight on him. So I understand that. But when you look at post game photos of Zach Eadie, and he's got just cuts all over him, and people just mauling him, I think you're in. I think you're within reason to call foul. Um, there's a point where Purdue was getting ready to run away with it. I mean, they were up six, and I mean they they went on a pretty big scoring run there, and then all of a sudden player from Fairleigh Dickinson, kicks his leg out, Braden Smith gets called for a foul. That's an offensive foul. Or it's a no-call. I'd be fine with a no-call. But when he hits that shot and he has an and-one, that gives that team momentum again. It changed the whole game. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough loss. I'm not going to lie. It was tough to watch. But, I mean... This is a Purdue team that's going to come back next year. The last time someone lost to a 16 seed, which I completely forgot about, I, I would have thought of it, but it was immediate. My friends texted me, and he said, hey, last team to lose a 16 seed went on to win the national championship. And we, I know that team very well because I, saw, I was at the game where Purdue played Virginia in the Elite Eight in Louisville. You know? I'm familiar with that team that lost to UMBC. I saw them in person. We followed them all year. Um. So yeah, am I am I hurt that this happened? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it always hurts when your team loses, especially a early first round exit. But is it the last time a one seed's going to lose a sixteen seed? No. Houston almost did it this year. I mean, we almost had two number one seeds go down in a in a. In a span of two days. This is what bas- this is what college basketball is now. It just is. 16 seats know they can do it now. They saw UMBC do it. And by the way, the Virginia UMBC game was a blowout. It wasn't even close. This one Purdue had a chance. And, you know, maybe Purdue would have lost. Purdue would have definitely lost to Florida Atlantic next round. Fine. Whatever. It's just, you know, losing in the first round is always rough, especially when you're seeing, you know, that Fairleigh Dickinson team move on. And then, you know, they put up a good fight against Florida Atlantic, but you just didn't think it was going to happen. Princeton, having them beat Arizona, a very talented Arizona team that I talked about to where I didn't think you can match Omar Balo and Tubalus. I just didn't think you could. Apparently they did. I wasn't able to watch that game, but uh, apparently they did. So, it's just what it is now. All these schools know they can do it. Like, it's not the way of the old days where, you know, all these blue bloods are just going to win. Which, by the way, I'm pretty sure all the blue bloods are out of the tournament right now. If not all, almost all. Kentucky's out. Duke is out. Carolina didn't even make it. Kansas is out. IU is out. So, the only one that's in is UCLA. And, you know, what what do you make of college basketball now? I love it. I love this type of college basketball. Will it subside here in a few years once you have all the COVID grad transfers and all that, all the people taking their COVID years? I don't know, maybe. I don't think it's going to be that big of a difference, though. All these teams are still going to do it. NIL is a big opportunity for these schools. If you have good enough boosters are willing to give up money to get to pay for these players, not pay for them. Well, maybe. We'll see. Um, but to have them have NIL opportunities to where they want to go to your school, that's huge. And, you know, like maybe we saw a few years ago, Harvard was getting top 100 recruits. Who's to say that some mid-majors are going to get some like top 50 recruits? Who's this A? I don't know. Um, and, you know, the transfer portal is a whole other phenomenon to where now you don't even have to sit out as long as you did. Sometimes people would sit, sit out one to two years before they would play after transferring. Now, I mean, if you do, if you do it correctly, you're going to play right away. And, you know, it's just... It sucks. It does suck. Purdue, they'll be back. Um, I think the the only person I see leaving is David Jenkins. I cannot believe Zach Eady leaving. I just can't. Uh, if Oscar Shibway one player of the year last year, he didn't go. I just don't see Eady any one anyone wanting him in the NBA. But two, you know, them needing him. No one needs a center like that anymore. And I I'm I hate to say it because I mean that's I love that kind of basketball, to where you use utilize your big men. Excuse me, but it's just not needed anymore. Um, and now I'm seeing everyone throw the entire regular season out of the out the window because Purdue losing to a 16 seed just means that Zach Eadie sucks, Matt Painter sucks, Purdue in general sucks. No. This is a team that was not ranked beginning of the year. It's supposed to be a rebuilding year. We're starting two freshmen in the backcourt. I know they faltered towards the end of the season, but good God, how they started out conference was amazing. And that's, how, that's what happens in basketball. People have scouting reports. It's not like people tur- go bad overnight. They know how to guard you now. you got to do something different. It's the way it is. It, it hasn't changed in years. So I don't know how all of a sudden Purdue losing – in all this, even though Fairleigh Dickens probably had a whole season of tape. You know, they just suck now. Just not how it works. The finalists for the Naismith Trophy are Zach Eadie, Trace Jackson Davis, Drew Timmy, and Jalen Wilson. And the amount of people that I saw saying, well, Drew Timmy's the only one left in the tournament. He's obviously going to win. Not how it works. Not even close to how it works. The NBA MVP is not based on the playoffs. It's a regular season award, and that's how it is here. And Everyone's saying Zach Eadie is just bad. He, he wouldn't be anything if he wasn't tall. You, you just don't understand when you have skill like that. It doesn't matter how tall you are. If you're tall and you have no skill, you're not making D1 basketball in the Big Ten. You're not. And, you know, I know it's just everyone trying to get a rise out of, probably me, probably out of any other Purdue fan, but it's just the disrespect is unbelievable, and I cannot wait for everyone to see what this team is next year. This is a top five team next year. Just because they lose a 16 seed, they're not going to go down in rankings. They're going to be top five. People are going to be like, oh, my God, but they lost a 16 seed. Shut up. Like, that was last year? Guess what? That coach has already left. He's gone to Iona. Not even, like, two days after they lose, he's going to Iona. In which we got to talk about the carousel going on right now. It's wild. Um, yeah, but that, this is this is last year now. The Purdue season is done. So we can stop talking about them. It's just done. Um, but, yeah. Everyone just saying, oh, yeah, Purdue. Purdue's not good. Oh, my God. What did we expect out of this Purdue team? I didn't expect national championship. I expected a Final Four, and that was being generous to this team. I know what this team can do in, in the tournament. They always fall to the little guy. They always do. But I, I don't know, man. It's just, get, put some respect on their names. This is number one seed. I, don't, I didn't see, of course, I wasn't on social media. This is probably the big reason behind it, the toxicity of Twitter, pretty much. Um, but di- I didn't hear this much about Virginia losing to UMBC. You didn't hear about it that much. No one was discrediting anyone on that team, That, as far as I know, after losing. Oh, people people just hate on Purdue for some reason. And I know why people hate on Purdue in this state. It's just because, you know, Indiana's down the road pretty much. And, you know, they have five championships. Purdue has not won a championship. It's they have the longest, they have the most appearances in the NCAA tournament without a championship. I don't know. It's Purdue has great basketball history. Uh, They're continuing that basketball history. Zach Eadie's going to go down as one of the best to ever do it at Purdue. You know, he may get consensus All-American. I've talked about it before. He's been talked about the most all year, and I think that where the award is now, that that is where that's, like, the criteria. Are you talked about the most? Um, uh, Their team was one of the best, and his team was one of the best in the country. They're number one seed. Can't deny that. Cannot deny that. So, was it the first time anyone lost to a 16 seed? No. Is it going to be the last? No. It's just not. Um, may, it will be a few years? Yeah, probably. So, I'm going to have to sit with this for three or four years probably. But, again, it's not going to – it's not the last time. It's not going to be either. There's going to be plenty more after this, and, and you know, everyone's going to probably cool down on it. This is probably going to be the worst uh, one seed will be attacked for losing a 16th seed. I don't know. But, yeah, Purdue lost. Move past it. That's season's over. They're going to be great next year. All right. Coaching carousel uh, has been hectic. The basketball season is not over. And we've, we're have we already seeing a ton of moves, a ton of big moves. Uh, Rick Pitino leaves Iona, goes to St. John's, which we probably all expected. Um, the chance that for Rick Pitino to be an MSG for a good portion of the year, I know they don't have every home game at Madison Square Garden, but they have a good chunk. Um, but to have him in Madison Square Garden as like a half-home arena and Pitino being in New York – I didn't think it was an opportunity he could pass up on. You know, know, he's been at Providence, Kentucky, Louisville, Iona, and he's had success each time. He really has. So St. John's hoping to turn that program around. I know that's a program that's been needing some turnaround. Uh, Ever since Steve Lavin left, they haven't really been that great. I remember they hired Chris Mullen as their head coach. That was not a good decision. Uh, It just didn't work out. But, yeah, so he goes to St. John's. As I mentioned, Tobin Anderson, head coach, former head coach of Fairleigh Dickinson, is going to Iona in his place. And uh, the big one everyone is really hammering on is Georgetown getting Ed Cooley from Providence. And a lot of people are saying that they, like, poached him because, you know, he had his house up for sale, like, a month ago. People are wondering, who is he truly recruiting for? And, like, he got a little bit of a pay. He got a little bit of an upgrade in pay. But, you know, it's just not what – sorry. It's it's more in pay, but it's just not what Providence is. You know, Georgetown has a great opportunity to be great. Patrick Ewing – was not a great head coach. It's just, it's not, you know, these former players, these ha- former high-profile players just aren't the, they're not the best at coaching their former schools. Like Patrick, give a great example. Chris Mullen I mentioned earlier. You know, some of them do great. Like Matt Painter, he's not a high-profile player. Mike Woodson at IU, he's really turning around. Not a gr not a, uh, he was high-profile when he was they're at Indiana, but then he got in the NBA and it wasn't that high profile, you know? So these high profile players aren't doing justice for their universities like their alma maters. So yeah, Ed Cooley going to Georgetown, I mean, a lot more opportunities. It's a really good school. People know Georgetown, I think a lot more than Providence, although I think Cooley brought Providence into the forefront a little bit. So imagine what he's going to do at Georgetown. You know, he was at Providence for, like, seven years. You know, people move on from, the, from jobs. They just do. Um, and, you know, there's been a whole poll going around. Jeff Goodman has put a poll out for, like, coaches and assistant coaches in the Big East, and they're saying, well, what, would you rat- what job What job do you think is better, Georgetown or Providence? And they're like, oh, Georgetown, 100%. It's just the name brand of it. Um, people recognize Georgetown from those Patrick Ewing years when he played, not when he coached. Um, but even when Patrick Ewing was coaching, like Georgetown got had a lot more in the spotlight than what they should have been. I know that they were bad, so they you had to talk about them in that aspect. But Georgetown was still on like – Fox Sports won, like, quite a bit. Of course, they cover the Big East, but still, like, you would see them a lot more than, at least in my opinion, more than other teams in the Big East for some reason. And maybe it's just because Patrick Ewing was the head coach trying to turn around his old program. Maybe. But, you know, and then people are starting to put in the question, well, what is Georgetown without John Thompson? Are they really that good? Yeah, they are. They're pretty good of course they were good also when they had John Thompson the third as their head coach but you know we'll move on from that. So I I love the hire I think Ed Cooley is a great coach. I mean excuse me we saw that Providence run last year in a the tournament they made it in a tournament this year I had them beating Kentucky didn't work out but you know that's just how it is and I think Cooley is a is a good head coach. And I'm excited to see what he does at Georgetown. I really want Georgetown to be a name brand again to where people want to go out and, like, buy Georgetown stuff. Like, Georgetown, that was a big thing to do. I think it was mentioned in maybe Requiem for Big East, in one of the 30 for 30 documentaries, to where, like, there was a lot of schools that people would wear, even though they didn't live anywhere near, but they'd wear their stuff to be cool, to look cool, you know? And it was like Georgetown, Michigan, when the Fab Five was there, and uh, Jerry Tarkanian's running Rebels at UNLV. Those were the schools, but Georgetown was like the one. And, you know, like one of the first Nike dunks, which dunks have made a huge comeback in terms of relevance, were the be true to your school. And one of them, I think the most popular one was Georgetown. So, you know... I'm excited for that to happen again. Maybe because I know Georgetown dunks, I mean, they redid them, the lows, they're pretty expensive again. So maybe they are good again. They start producing them a lot more price may go up or go down depending on production, but you know, maybe Georgetown stuff will be in high demand again. We'll just have to see, but yeah, I'm excited for that. So, um, yeah, that's the main parts of the coaching carousel so far. Um, We'll see what happens throughout the next couple weeks. All right, finally, uh, we got to talk about Willis Reed. The captain, also known as Wolf, um, Willis Reed Jr., center, power forward. I'm just reading off basketball reference. Um, The Southpaw, 6'10", 235 pounds, born June fifth, nineteen 1942. Died on Tuesday, the twenty-first. Um, I believe it was the twenty-first. Uh, my whole schedule has been thrown for a loop recently. Uh, Will Sreed, yeah, March twenty-first, twenty twenty-three, the age of eighty. Um, when yeah, the cousin in the NBA, Orlando Woolridge. Went to Grambling Lake State University, high school of Westside and Lilly of Louisiana. Drafted in second round, 10th overall pick. <laughs> That's how small the league was back then. The, each round had 10 picks. May's debut on October 17th, 1964, and was inducted to Hall of Fame in 1982. Only played 10 years. Which I mean, when you hear about Willis Reed, you think that he played like 10, like 12 or 15. Um, and here's the all of them with the Knicks, number 19, Hall of Famer, seven-time All-Star, two-time champion, five-time All-NBA player, 64-65 all-rookie and rookie of the year. Uh, 69-70, all defensive, 69-70, all-star MVP, two-time final MVP. 6970 MVP and NBA 75th anniversary team. Diamond Anniversary. Um, well, I think one of the only players I've been hearing it right, one of he's either the only one or one of like few players to win all star MVP, regular season MVP, and finals MVP in the same year, which was 6970. Um, you know, first career averaging 18 points. Almost 13 rebounds, 1.8 assists, 47% from the field, 74% from free throw line. Um, his rookie year, he led the league in games with, at 80. Um, career high, 53 points, 33 rebounds <laughs> for a career high. And rebounds. Career high and assist is nine and one steal and one block for a career high, which is incredible for someone who's an all defensive player. You know, like he had, you know, all his highlights were career highs, <laughs> one steal or one block, which you'd probably get a lot in a game. Of course, that was back when they didn't track steals or blocks, so we probably had a lot more. Um That's a that's a weird part of basketball for me. For when you don't they didn't track blocks or steals. They tracked him the last year of his career and he averaged 1.1 blocks and 0.6 steals per game. Um didn't track whether rebounds were offensive or defensive until his last year. Never even tracked how many games he started, just what he played. (laughs) Um in that last year he only played 19 games and then he had to sit out technically his last year at the age of 32 because of an injury um very really healthy i mean games like i said led the league with 80 and after that 76 78 81 82 81 73 and then 71 72 had 11 72 73 back to 69 then 19 and then didn't even play so Fairly healthy player. Uh, of course, what he's known for is the seven 1970 Finals. We'll get to that. Want to look at the 64 draft, which he was drafted in. Um, 101 players were picked. Only 30 played in the NBA, so he's one of 30 players. Uh, first overall pick was Jim Barnes out of UTEP, which maybe at that time was Texas Southern. I'm not 100% I'm not sure. Um, there's some other like ones where I think they're from previous drafts. Like Walt Hazard went to the Lakers. George Wilson went to, yeah, those are territorial picks because they went. Walt Hazard went to UCLA, got drafted by the Lakers. George Wilson went sixty, went to Cincinnati, and then he went to the Royals. Um, Jim Barnes, Joe Caldwell, Jeff Mullins, Mel Counts went number nine. Willis Reed went ten. First pick of the second round. And then Paul Silas went two picks after him. Uh, Jerry Sloan went 21st in the draft. John Thompson out of Providence. Wow, what are the chances on that? Went 27, the last pick of the third round. Yeah, just uh, a, lot of, a lot of them. Players that were drafted, and you know, so many of them, after you get like after you get past round, some like round five, only one player would play in in each round. Uh, maybe some of the lot of these have zero. So, yeah, the 64 draft is great. Um, Made his debut, as I said, October 17th, 1964, in a 113-109 loss against the Lakers. Uh, this, this is crazy. They didn't track anything, <laughs> but <laughs> all, all throughout this stat sheet, there's no field goal attempts or field goal percentage. They just tracked how many they made, didn't track minutes played, no offensive, defensive, or total rebounds. No assists, no steals, no blocks, no turnovers, no fouls. All they tracked was free throw attempts and makes for and their percentage. Jerry West shot 15 of 30 from the free throw line, finished with 35 points. Um, Willis Reed. Oh, so here they have some rebounds and assists on the Knicks. Or maybe it's just depending on the scorebook. Um, Willis Reed shot six times, played 28 minutes. Three six in the free throw line. Everyone went 50%. Someone tells me that's not right. (laughs) Where every, like, legit everyone went 50% from the free throw line. I don't know about that. Um, But he had 11 rebounds and 15 points. So a really good opener. But of course, what he's known for, um, someone that we've kind of seen, uh, the Paul Pierce. Wheelchair thing is kind of the same, even though we kind of know the story behind that now. It wasn't really a knee injury. But Willis Reed is known for 1970 NBA Finals, you know, where they're down to the Lakers. Yeah, they're down to the Lakers. He gets injured. He sits out game six. It's a 3-3 series now because the Lakers had to win out, I believe, And, um, you know, no one knew – no one thought Willis would play. I mean, he was injured, and, like, apparently either he tore a muscle or a tendon. Bill Bradley was talking about this on uh, Dan Patrick yesterday, but it was like, apparently that's – it was one of those things where if you tear that or whatever, you you usually couldn't lift up your leg to walk. So for him to, you know – walk out of the tunnel alone was impressive, but then, you know, he starts doing warm ups, and apparently everyone stopped. Like you heard a roar in the crowd. Um, and Jerry West and Will Chamberlain stopped to watch him shoot. They were saying to see if he could, you know, really play. But I mean, they, they stopped and watched him. They couldn't believe what was happening. You, you didn't prepare for it. You know, you didn't expect Will to come in and play. And, um, yeah, he comes in. He hits the first two shots. Then that's it. That's his night. Four points. The Probably the most memorable action to ever be done, probably in the finals. Maybe, Maybe outside the finals, let's say that, because LeBron's block is a really good moment. John Magic's baby skyhook. But Willis Reed coming out of the tunnel is one of the best moments in basketball just for perseverance and, you know, overall. Just sticking it to the Lakers to say, man, you can't take me out. We're going to come and beat you. And Walt Clyde Frazier had one of the best games in finals history. I mean... Had, like, 30-some points, I think 15 assists, maybe more. Like, like maybe, I, mean, I think, I don't know if he had double figures and rebounds, but I've, maybe a triple-double. Um, but Willis Reed wins the finals MVP, which people argue maybe should have went to Frazier, but Bill Bradley did say, I think the MVP goes the guy who puts his body on the line to win. He sacrificed for all of us, you know. And, um, man, Willis, incredible person. You know, I think there's some interviews you can go find. Like, he's he was at Knicks games. They'd go out to interview him, you know. Just one of the, you know, and, you know, people would talk yesterday and Wednesday saying, man, like, you didn't really hear anything bad about Willis Reed. You know, like no one really talked down on him. No one talked bad about him. It's just Willis Reed was Willis Reed. And uh, that's something that is very important. You know, we talked about it before where, you know, you're seeing legends die and it really brings a certain mortality to it. Like, yeah, these guys are mortal. Talked about it with Kobe, talked about with Eldrin Baylor. Slick Leonard, Bill Russell, Sam Jones. Been a lot of uh, legends to pass away during the course. Well, Kobe was a little bit before this podcast. But during the course of this show, you know, Bill Russell passing away, Elgin Baylor, Slick Leonard. I don't think I did a dedicated episode on – or a dedicated segment on Sam Jones, but he passed away. Um. Yeah, just, it's it's it brings a mortality into everything. So just be sure, live life the best you can, and you know. Just keep, just do you. I mean, just be the best person you can be, and you're going to be remembered for it. It's what Wills did. Sure, is he going to be remembered for the walking out during the finals? Yeah, but that's also a show of his character, you know. He had four, and like people were saying, like he only had four points in that game. The way people talk about, it, you think he would have scored fifty-five on a bum on a bum leg. He only he only sh- took two shots, made them both. You know, yeah, Willis Reed, eighty years old, too soon. Um, just rest in peace. I, prayers go out to his family, his soul. You know. Just, yeah, you know, just tell everyone you love them. You love them. Just be sure. Just don't take anything for granted. Just don't. You can trust me on that. Just don't take anything for granted. You'll, you'll miss the days when you know when something's gone. You're gonna miss having it. Trust me. So. believe that will be it for this week. Just want to thank you for listening. Uh, Not sure what's going to be going on next week. Maybe a recap of the NCAA tournament again. But, uh, yeah. Just be sure to follow me on Twitter, at DMRF00. I'll talk to you next week. Peace.